Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. It is good to be back on the pod after we took a week off and appreciate everybody for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast throughout the season, whether you're doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. The Knoxville Ice Bears podcast will keep you updated on what's happening with the Knoxville Ice Bears and with the rest of the Southern Professional Hockey League as well. So last week was pretty hectic. Knoxville had games on Thursday and Sunday, and then this past weekend, a road trip for a Friday-Saturday doubleheader against Quad City. So didn't have an episode last week. I was pretty under the weather and spent the majority of last week trying to recover so I could get ready to go to Illinois. So I appreciate everybody understanding. Obviously, I hated to miss the game at Fayetteville. If you listened to the broadcast last Sunday, then you probably heard by now that I was under the weather and unable to make the trip. So I missed the broadcast and that ultimately led to us not doing an episode of the podcast as well. So appreciate everybody's patience. It was good to be back in Quad City and back in Moline, Illinois. Enjoyed that trip when we went last year and it was fun going back again this past weekend. And so appreciate Quad City's hospitality and helping me get set up with the broadcast and two fun games for Knoxville that weren't always pretty at times on the ice, but Knoxville got four really big points, two really big wins. And in a situation where first and ninth place in the league are separated by seven points, you, you kind of see that this time of the year, anytime you're playing against one of those other eight teams, things are really, really important. And Knoxville's got a weekend upcoming where it's playing a team outside of that top nine, but still points are at a premium right now because of how close together everybody is. And so you don't want to take anything for granted as Knoxville gets ready for Vermilion County this upcoming Friday and Saturday, but two really important wins against Quad City this past Friday and Saturday. And so I appreciate the well wishes from everybody during the weekend that I was sick and appreciate everybody with the kind words as I got back on the broadcast. Uh, it was really good to be back, really enjoyed being on the call and had two fun ones that we're going to take a look at now as we get into the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. So I guess to jump back further, the previous week towards the end of November, beginning of December, Knoxville, of course, had the uh, shootout loss to Pensacola, then the regulation loss to Roanoke in a game that was really weird. Uh, Knoxville did not have an even strength goal in either game at Roanoke or Fayetteville, but what made that Roanoke game so weird was... For one thing, you had the goalie fight, which obviously had a lot of people very excited. Knoxville didn't have Brady Florent. He rode the team bus with the team that day, was feeling under the weather, and felt fine when he got on the bus and then felt worse by the time we got to Roanoke. So he did not play that night. So a late detraction from Knoxville's lineup. And Knoxville battled back. They were down 3-1. to one. Austin Rodebush was having a solid night. It was difficult to generate scoring chances. And that's Roanoke's MO. They, they give up the fewest shots against in the SPHL so far this season. And so that made it difficult for Knoxville to generate a whole lot of offense. But they scored a goal late to draw within one. But one of Roanoke's goals came on a power play. 
for a delay of game penalty that was assessed to, it was actually assessed to Rex Moe, but it was committed by Brett Beauvais. The odd thing was is that Beauvais lifted the puck over the boards, but what that penalty is supposed to be defined as, as you cannot clear the puck over the glass in your own zone. There were two things wrong with that. Number one, Beauvais was in the neutral zone. Number two, he cleared it over the benches, not the glass. So it was still ruled a penalty anyway. Roanoke ends up scoring a power play goal, and Knoxville ends up losing by one. So that was a bit of a tough pill to swallow. And then Justin McDonald not in the lineup. Brady Florent not in the lineup. Uh, and similar situation as it was on Thursday. Brady made the trip to Fayetteville and then did not play. Justin McDonald was not available for that game on Sunday as he was under the weather. Kyler Matthews was not 100% and then ended up not playing in that game. And you had a couple of other guys that were playing at less than 100% as well. So uh, just not a good situation for Knoxville. And don't want to make excuses, but it, it is what it is. And then Knoxville ended up not being able to generate scoring chances against the Marksmen. It led to a shutout loss at the hands of uh, Fayetteville. And so Knoxville found itself with a three-game skid for the first time this year. First time losing back-to-back games in regulation this year. And so that obviously, you know, kind of made you feel like you really needed to hit the reset button going into Quad City. And Knoxville did that. Now, Justin McDonald still was not in the lineup as he still was not 100% as the week went on. So he did not make the trip to Moline. But Brady Florent was back in the lineup. And that turned out to be a really big deal for Knoxville because Florent had a three-point night on Friday, including the game-winning overtime goal. He played with Dino Balsamo for the first time on the same line. And Balsamo, who's been trying to get himself going a little bit offensively, he's had like three or four shots hit the post this season, including two off empty netters. But he had a four-point night on Friday and then had the game-winning goal on Saturday. So I I think a breath of fresh air just for Brady to be back and to be healthy. Kyler, just talking to him, he he wasn't sick anymore, but I don't think he quite felt 100%. But he was back in the lineup, made a big impact in the game on Saturday, and then just being back in that steady defenseman spot that you're typically used to seeing him. Got ejected on Saturday. Have more on that in just a moment. But that's kind of where we were with the weekend as it stands. And Knoxville ends up getting two really big wins and four really big points. And a lot of fireworks going on on and off the ice for those two games as Knoxville picks up two pretty important wins against Quad City over the weekend. Now for... Friday night, that was a back-and-forth game. Knoxville found itself down by two pretty early on. Bailey Conger, who had just been acquired last Wednesday, scores a power play goal to bring Knoxville to within one going into the second intermission. Rex Moe scores on a breakaway, a really heads-up defensive play by Colton Fletcher to create a transition play there and make the good lead stretch pass to Rex Moe, who gets in on the breakaway. And and I like Rex Moe's decision. Sometimes when you have a lot of time on a breakaway, You see guys pull the trigger too early, and sometimes that's a mistake. I like what Rexmo did, pulling the trigger early with a quick release, a little bit earlier than expected, didn't skate into the crease, instead pulled it early and went for the five hole under Bailey Birkin, and Birkin knew it immediately. Head went up in the air, felt like that was one he should have had, wasn't ready to be able to drop, to be able to get that low shot, and Rexmo just a really nice shot to beat the pads of Bailey Birkin. That made it 2-2. Two to two. Knoxville actually took the lead with Florence's first goal of the night, so it was 3-2. to two. And then two unanswered goals by Quad City put the Storm back in front, and Conger got his second goal of the night to then tie the game 
for, or excuse me, after Conger got an assist to Dino Balsamo to tie the game at four, and then Logan Nelson with his second goal of the night puts Quad City back in front at 5-4, and then Conger got his second goal of the night to tie the game with some great passing by Knoxville. Again, in transition, you had Florent finding Balsamo. Balsamo holds the puck long enough for the defenseman to make a move. Conger had swept up the right wing, cut in through the corner, and then just that right-to-left sweep. That, that's such a tough play to defend if you're a goalie, and Balsamo makes an excellent pass off the side of the crease to Conger, who's able to skate around Bailey Conger, who bites on the, or to Bailey Birkin, excuse me, who bites on the play and then scores. And then Florent gets the overtime winner with Kyler Matthews making the assist. So a nice give and go between Florent and Matthews as they entered the zone. And Florent, a three point night for him, a three point night for Conger, a four point night for Balsamo. It just love to be able to see a line that's cooking really, really well, and then getting contributions from other guys on the ice as well with uh, Rex Moe being able to make a play early in the second period when Knoxville needed it. And so I think anytime you're down two to nothing early, you feel like you're going to chase and try to play catch up the entire game. So when you're able to tie that hockey game less than two minutes into the second period, you feel like you've suddenly hit the reset button. And, and sometimes, you know, a team is still kind of scrambling in that situation. Knoxville wasn't. They, they clearly sunk their teeth into that game. It was back and forth couple of rebounds that were left there in the slot area by Knoxville that led to goals. And I thought Knoxville did a much better job at getting back on defense, especially with the forwards. I thought the back checking was better on Saturday. And that led to still led to a lot of shots for Quad City. They had 47 shots on goal in the overtime loss to Knoxville on Friday and then had 42 shots on goal in a regulation loss on Saturday. So a lot of work for Knoxville's goaltenders, but I thought in terms of limiting second chances, I thought Knoxville did a much better job of that on Saturday. And so we shift to Saturday. Christian Stead got the start in net for Knoxville on Friday. Alec Calvaruso, who is back in Knoxville after Jimmy Parita got called up to Orlando, he got the start on Saturday. 41 saves on 42 shots. Um, the, the, the first goal early on was kind of tough. Knoxville took a penalty immediately after the game started, and just 48 seconds into the game, Matias Amon takes a shot from the left point. It bounces off of Cole Golka right in front of the net, sitting in the crease. And it looks like from the replay that Calvaruso is actually doing a pretty good job at limiting the angle. And Mike Moran is just able to get his backhand on it, gets it by the left leg pad of Calvaruso, hits off the post and goes in. Just a tough bounce on a power play goal. But then Quad City doesn't score the rest of the way. Knoxville kills off the next six power plays that Quad City has. And Brady Florent had tied the game in the first period already. And Dino, Dino Balsamo gets a huge goal with about five minutes left to go in the third. And it, it comes with Knoxville being a breakout of transition again. And so we, we've seen a couple of games like this. We saw it with the Birmingham game back in November where, you know, Knoxville was outshot 61 to 21. But when it mattered in the second period, Knoxville was able to generate scoring chances. And we saw that in the third period against Quad City on Saturday, where Brady Florent taking the puck out finds Balsamo, who's just looking to create a play. You know, those are low percentage passes when you're trying to make those diagonal stretch passes through the neutral zone, especially against a team like Quad City that does a good job at back checking, doesn't give up a whole lot of odd man rushes, and can slow the tempo down, and usually has pretty active sticks in the neutral zone. Florent makes a great pass to Balsamo, and he just turns on the accelerator to skate by everybody, gets in through the left circle, beats Kevin Resop, and ends up giving Knoxville the lead for good. Rex Moe got his second goal of the weekend on an empty net to ultimately deny Quad City a chance to force overtime. 
and a very contentious weekend between the two teams. So Quad City thought for a moment that it had scored a game-tying goal late in that game on Saturday. Now, the whistle had already been blown. The lamp was never turned on, so the goal judge never indicated that a goal was scored. And it appears that referee Brett Straley, who, if we're being totally honest, probably had a bit of a rough weekend, and I'd say that going both ways. Quad City fans were visibly upset with the officiating in both games, and... I don't. I, I can't imagine that Knoxville fans were very thrilled with some of the officiating either. And I think at times there was a little bit of miscommunication. There was a really odd sequence on Saturday where Knoxville was called for a too many men on the ice penalty. Rex Moe was put into the penalty box. Knoxville still had five skaters on the ice. And then five seconds later, after play was whistled dead again, after the puck was frozen, Moe was pulled out of the penalty box and we continued five on five. So there was never a penalty kill that Knoxville had to kill off it was just a very confusing situation. Now, I, I didn't think that the too many men on the ice call was correct because it appeared, from my angle anyway, that Knoxville had dumped the puck in around behind the Quad City net and then an ice bear jumped onto the bench, an ice bear jumped off the bench, and Knoxville didn't touch the puck in that sequence. And I thought it was done with enough fluidity that Knoxville had five guys legally on the ice. So... I don't know if the referee overruled his linesman. We don't get that sort of communication to the PA announcer or to the booth. So it was just a very confusing sequence. So I don't know if the call was overruled. I don't know if they changed the call. And that, that's what was so weird about it because Rex Moe was still escorted to the penalty box by a linesman. And Rex Moe can be seen, you know, at least he was seen on the Jumbotron, saying something to the referee as he went to the penalty box. That whole situation was just so confusing and there were several moments like that throughout the weekend. So, look, I, I typically don't try to harp on the officiating here, but it, it was just a very puzzling weekend for Brett Straley, who was the head referee in both games. Um, and Quad City fans were upset about the officiating. I'll say this in Brett Straley's defense. Quad City had more power plays than Knoxville on Friday. Quad City had more power plays than Knoxville on Saturday. And Quad City went 1-for-13 on the man advantage in the two games combined, including a 5-on-3 in both games in a situation when the game was tied. So Quad City had a 5-on-3 two-man advantage in a tie hockey game both Friday and Saturday and failed to convert either one. And Dave Shinichny was quoted to field pass hockey. You have a 5-on-3 and you don't convert. You don't deserve to win. So... It, it, it's not, you know, so Quad City necessarily isn't blaming the officiating. The fans might be, but Dave Shinichny's not. And, you know, Knoxville took advantage of power play opportunities that it had. Uh, the Ice Bears went three of nine, I believe, on the weekend, um, which, you know, that, that's a 33% conversion rate. Quad City had the best penalty kill percentage in the SPHL entering that weekend. So, you know, obviously, look, you know, we could say what we will about the officiating. I don't think the officiating is the reason for the game. Also, Quad City had nearly 90 shots on goal in two games. I, I don't know what Quad City could have asked for more over the course of two games with the number of power play opportunities it had, more power plays than its opponent, and five-on-threes in each game, as well as heavily outshooting its opponent in, in both nights. I mean, it outshot Knoxville 42-24 to on Saturday and scored one goal 48 seconds into the game and then over its next 40 shots came up with nothing. I, I just don't know what, I don't know how you can justify blaming the officiating. And so the 
appeared goal that Quad City thought it had, Brett Straley had ruled that Calvaruso had sat on top of the puck long enough for it to be frozen before it slid out from under his pad and then was poked in across the goal line. So, you know, I just think a frustrating game for everybody, a frustrating weekend for everybody involved, Knoxville included. There were times where Knoxville was visibly frustrated. Uh, Brett Clark had a leg up, literally had his foot on the the wall of the penalty box trying to get Brett Straley's attention. Uh, so a lot of frustration and then a really odd look. I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen this before. I definitely don't remember ever seeing this before, but quad city fans had obviously gathered around the tunnel after the conclusion of Saturday's game to chant ref, you suck. And normally the officials get off the ice pretty quick after the players do, but Brett Straley and his crew were checking a detail over at the, scorer's table and so then they they then had to skate off the ice over to the exit tunnel where a bunch of fans were waiting for them chanting ref you suck oh it's just a common sports chant but Brett Straley instead of ignoring the quad city fans he starts waving them on and encouraging it and kind of kind of giving a smirk like a yeah let's hear some more of it I, I just don't know if I've ever seen that from a referee ever uh regardless of sports so uh, Brett Straley, I, I guess a bit of a, a showman towards the end of that game, but yeah, some some odd sequences throughout the course of that game. Uh, I mentioned Kyler Matthews was ejected uh, during the course of the first period of Saturday's game. So what had happened, um, and the sequence during the game, watching it live was very odd, but going back and watching the replay, what had happened was Kyler Matthews was getting onto the ice Um to change shifts and to get back. And there was an exchange, a heated exchange on the ice between, I believe it was Sasha Waugh and Quad City's captain, Taylor Price. Well, Kyler Matthews did not engage with Taylor directly, but he skated up to him and stopped about three feet away and I think said something to him. And so I, I guess in Brett Straley's eyes, that was the equivalent of him engaging in an altercation and leaving the bench during an altercation. So uh, Kyler was given a game misconduct, and so he sat out the rest of the game. And the SPHL announced Monday afternoon that Kyler has also been given a three-game suspension, which is the protocol for leaving the bench during an altercation. So it's a three-game suspension for Kyler. Now, he was called up to the ECHL. He was loaned to Cincinnati, which is where he spent a portion of the preseason before returning to Knoxville. So had appeared in some preseason games for the Cyclones. Um, and so he has been called back up to Cincinnati and his three game suspension will go into effect when he returns. So even if he's up in Cincinnati for four weeks, when he comes back in January, the first three games that he is on Knoxville's active roster, he will not be allowed to participate in. So, um, yeah, just, it's just a tough break there for Kyler, but I guess on a technicality, that is the rule. So, uh, as of right now, Kyler is facing a three-game suspension uh, from the SPHL when he returns from the ECHL. So I, I appreciate you checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. The Ice Bears turn their attention to Vermilion County. They will be playing 7 o'clock Central Time up in Danville, Illinois, Friday and Saturday. So you can head over to Union Place Bar and Grill on Chambliss Avenue in Bearden for the Road Game Watch Party. Puck drop will be 8 o'clock Eastern time. And then, of course, we'll have the call for you on WKCE, the flagship station of the Knoxville Ice Bears. As it stands right now, Knoxville fourth place, tied for third in points uh, with 22 points with Roanoke. Uh, The Rail Yard Dogs do have a game in hand over the Ice Bears as of now. 
Uh, Evansville with 24 points, but the Thunderbolts have played 20 games this season, more than any team in the league. Peoria, uh, first place in just about every category, 25 points most in the league, 12 wins most in the league, uh, 781 point percentage, highest in the league, and they've only played 16 games. So uh, Peoria, a 10-game point streak right now, 9-0-1 in their last 10, and the uh, the Ice Bears starting to gain some ground. So that just goes to show where the Ice Bears have been because a week and a half ago, they were in first place in terms of point percentage. Last week, going into this weekend, they were in seventh place. Now they're back in fourth place with an opportunity to climb higher if they can go take care of business against a Vermilion County team that's coming off a win over Evansville, which going into that game, Evansville had the most points in the league. Vermilion County knocked them off. And that team may be starting to play a little bit better after its midseason coaching change. TJ Sarcona is out. And so another early season coaching change for the second year in a row for the Vermilion County Bobcats. They will host Knoxville for the first time this season coming up this Friday and Saturday. Thank you so much for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Team is in action Friday night and Saturday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time against Vermilion County. Catch the game on 105.1 WKCE or on Hockey TV with the Road Game Watch Party at Union Place Bar and Grill. I'm Joel Silverberg. We'll catch you next time, and we'll talk to you on Friday. We'll have the call when Knoxville takes on Vermilion County, and we'll see you next week on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.